And welcome to another episode of the Satoyo Geek Podcast by Webster Style, where we talk about bow ties, comic books, and everything in between. I'm your host, Webster Style, the man, the voice, the fragrance. And of course, let's jump right into it with the download. This week's download is a little bit different. We're not gaming focused this week. This week is all about anime. And for me, I got into anime, I guess, officially late 80s, early 90s. My my first experience really falling in love with the genre was Robotech, which debuted in 85 in syndication. But I didn't know it was anime then. What was anime? I didn't really come into an understanding of what anime was until I got to high school in the early 90s 92 I think is when I started high school and with that I was introduced to this whole world of anime and all the different sub genres of it so with that I started watching a lot of anime I watched a lot of things one of my favorites Gunbuster the original Bubblegum Crisis series and a lot of other original animated videos that was coming out on VHS at the time well there is a platform an app you can download called Retro Crush which specifically caters to those of us who are looking to watch that old school anime things like 80 police things like lily cat things like wicked city all these things some of the things i've talked about on tubi but this is now a one dedicated platform streaming platform that caters specifically toward anime from the 80s 90s i think got some 2000s um in there as well but it's absolutely free just to watch it i think you can subscribe to uh take off the ads to pay a little bit per month i'm not sure how much it is but i can't imagine it's any more than five dollars or so considering what the platform is but it is available pretty much on everything on your gaming systems i have it downloaded on my xbox one uh it's uh, roku amazon all those things and it's such a great way especially if you are a newer uh say a gen z uh, anime fan to really go back and look at a lot of the old school stuff uh, that really started to infiltrate the geek consciousness in the United States um, in the late 80s, early 90s, actually 90s in general, before anime really blew up culturally speaking um, in late 90s, to early 2000 with Toonami and a lot of other uh, platforms, networks, Fox and I think uh, CW, uh, WB Kids really taking hold of certain anime properties and putting them on network airwaves. So definitely download Retro Crush. The base version is free with ads, and I believe there, like I said, is a subscription uh, fee per month for non-ads. But again, this is a service where, especially when you look at things like uh, Funimation or Crunchyroll that deals that's so anime heavy, but so much new stuff is out there. It's nice to really go back and revisit uh, the stylings of old anime. And really, in my opinion, to see a lot of the different art styles that was used back then with anime and how detailed one of my uh, one of the things i noticed and not really a complaint about modern anime is that a lot of it looks the same you have the same sort of art style the same sort of character design and a lot of the more popular animes nowadays and looking back at the older school stuff there's a, a certain 
motif, but everything looks very distinctive and very different. So that's my download for this week, Retro Crush, and you can find it on um, Android, iOS, um, Roku, Xbox, probably PlayStation 1 as well. And I think there's a Switch app as well. So be sure to check it out. Next up, I want to do my Gentleman Spotlight. Now, if you missed last episode, this is a new segment where I want to give flowers to men out here in the world that really inspire me but also really exemplify the sort of man that uh, I try to really highlight uh, when it comes to Webster Style Magazine. Way back when in, in 2009 I came up with the idea of Webster Style Magazine because at the time African American men especially in popular media and culture were really shown as that I wouldn't say thug, but when I look at things like Esquire and GQ, there wasn't a lot of men of color represented. It's not just African-American men, it's men of color, period. And that has changed a lot over the past decade plus. Uh, but I still feel like there's a need to highlight um, individuals that I feel like they're really out there making a difference. And people that from my uh, computer screen I see out here in the world that I admire for what they're doing. And this week, I want to spotlight uh, Sean Crenshaw, who is the CEO of Ovation uh, Fragrances. Now, I've talked about Ovation quite a lot. I, I really love the fragrance. I will definitely recommend that uh, to any and every man. I think that's one of those ones that is a, a very, if you have that, that is an indispensable fragrance in your arsenal of fragrances. However, uh, Sean is a gentleman who I've had brief interactions with online. Uh, and one of the things I love about him and his how he presents himself he presents himself uh very realistic very honest i love his drive and tenacity and it's just hustle when it comes to um ovation um i love the fact that he shared his story about how difficult it was to start the process and his background beforehand but also he presents himself as a real man a real brother he's, he's a father um, he is someone who really comes across as having a great character and just very much regardless of the suits and the corvettes and the other aspects of his current passions he always comes across as a very humble and down to earth brother and the brother can dress as well his style is impeccable and that's one of the things uh i love about him and just our interactions and seeing the sort of persona he puts out online and how he represents himself and i love that so i just want to give a shout out in our gentleman spotlight today to sean crenshaw the ceo of ovation fragrances then his next segment too many deaths lately of, of those of us especially in the uh not just blur community but community at large of individuals who have even though extension um existentially or tangentially have had an impact in our lives and the first person i want to say rest in peace to is william hurt he died at the age of 71 uh, many people probably best recognize him now as playing Thunderbolt Ross in the MCU movies. So Civil War, uh, The Incredible Hulk, and a couple other ones he was in. Um, so many people know him from there. He won the Best Actor in 1986 for his portrayal in Kiss of the Spider-Woman opposite Raul Julia. Also rest in peace to him. But for me, and if you have listened to my podcast, you know how much of a fan I am of the 1988 Lost in Space film. 
And in that film, he played Professor Robinson. And I think for me, his acting chops lent a lot of weight to the emotional connection that I have with that movie as a father and his son, Will Robinson, and the sort of pitfalls and dilemmas uh, that happened during the course of that movie. I don't think you would have gotten a better performance out of another actor. Uh, he really carried that movie for me and he was the heart and soul of that movie which is why one of the reasons why I hold that movie in such high regard as an underrated sci-fi gem especially from the 90s if not all time but rest in peace William Hurt Ayo. that was a catchphrase of one Scott Hall when he was Razor Ramon actually became his catchphrase throughout the rest of his career uh, but we lost Scott Hall who best for known known as Razor Ramon but also even more more known as the one third of the original NWO that shocked the wrestling world uh, back in the late 90s in WCW with that unexpected unforeseen Hulk Hogan heel turn and, and as I said before as a child of the 80s I grew up watching WWF Hulk Hogan eating your vitamins 24 inch uh, biceps you know say your prayers all that good jazz so for him to turn heel especially in that group with those guys it just it will always go down as one of the best storylines initially in wrestling history but scott hall actually started wrestling back in 1984 and he didn't become razor ramon until uh late 80s early 90s at in wwf where he rose to prominence and then him and uh kevin nash jumped ship with the wcw and history was made but unfortunately uh scott is one that has always had uh, a long time battle with substance abuse which is uh, very much especially later on in his career uh, really took a toll on his career his performance and his body and you saw that as he got older and he got himself together uh, through DDP yoga and some other things but unfortunately he had hip surgery and in complications with that he ended up passing away recently at the age of 61 uh, so it was a sad day as a, as a wrestling fan because Scott Hall and the impact that he made uh, both as Razor Ramon and NWA uh, still have impact in the wrestling world today. So rest in peace, Scott Hall. Now it's time to go back into the world of Marvel. And this week, Marvel released the trailer for Miss Marvel. Now, I have been waiting for this series because when it revamped Miss Marvel with Kamala Khan, this is actually during a time where I was I'd started collecting again. So I was very invested in that series, the initial run, and I absolutely loved it. I love the take. I, I love how they were able to create a fresh new version or new character even though having the moniker of a character that we all have known and loved but really create a new character in their universe without really jumping on the bandwagon of what's trending now as far as the culture is concerned they really were able to do a very good job uh, creating this character making her real and integrating her into the rest of the marvel universe proper so i always loved that that book especially that initial series uh, for that so i was very excited when first they announced they were doing the miss marvel series so even more so excited when i actually saw that they were dropping the trailer now, if you're familiar with Miss Marvel, you know that Miss Marvel's powers are, at least in the comics, are inhuman. And 
Her powers are activated when the Terrigen Mists were released around the world. And obviously they're not doing that in the MCU because that means they would have to acknowledge Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And they also have to acknowledge the um, Inhumans TV series, which is just horrible. Don't watch it ever. And I was curious to see how they were going to explain her powers in this case. And it seems as though her powers, again, based on the trailer, aren't inhuman based. They aren't as a result of some sort of terror engine mist. It looks like she has some sort of bracelet or something. So her powers may be cosmic or mystical basis i'm not entirely sure which should add an interesting wrinkle uh to her own character development but i do love the fact that they're keeping a lot of those themes as far as her her muslim heritage and and background and that sort of perception of what women are uh what heroes are as well as her own developing through all of that in that sort of weird adolescence period and I'm really looking forward to it because I don't think that, especially if they hold true to a lot of the comics and the comic storylines, you don't have many realistic portrayals of that sort of teen angst and superheroes um, today. I know they did a little bit of that with Spider-Man, but it's not the same. And I think that if done right, Miss Marvel can be a very refreshing uh, take in the mcu but also just for girls little not just little girls but yeah little girls teenage girls everywhere to really identify a lot of the themes that they're going through in this sort of fantastical uh world of the mcu and kamala khan's journey from being uh this uh young girl struggling with her heritage struggling with being a teenager in the western world and then all of a sudden getting superpowers and being a superhero uh so I, I i find the premise very fascinating and i hope it's done really really well not just okay it's one of the things about some of the marvel series some of them are like really have great potential but just end up being okay which is fine to some extent like hawkeye hawkeye had great potential they had a lot of missteps toward the end it just made it an okay to better than okay series which is fine it's absolutely fine it wasn't garbage it's not horrible it was okay it was good it was enjoyable miss marvel i really have higher expectations because of the weight the meat of what they're dealing with and the impact that the show can have in if it has really good storytelling so i am very excited for miss marvel when that comes out in june i believe june 30th uh so once uh moon knight is done and that's six episodes starting march 30th a month or two later we'll have miss marvel starting june 30th so i'm really excited about miss marvel and all that entails and with that we're going to finish up this part of the episode take a break and when we come back man we got a lot of star trek to talk about we got some style with the new segment that's a total slice and of course we're going to talk about our fragrance of the week And we're back now, of course, it's time for trekking out and let's talk Star Trek. Now, I will have to say I apologize for my ignorance when I talked about Strange New Worlds last week and hoping that they touch on the cage uh, as someone who has not watched Discovery in 
after this week i definitely have to go back and start watching discovery now because i realize i'm missing some really good star trek i realized they actually covered what happened on talos 4 and the talosians way back in season two of discovery and i actually watched that episode and absolutely loved it and loved their take on it so they did touch on the cage and the ramifications of that in this current star trek so i'm happy for that if you have not seen the cage uh, and you are a star trek fan something's wrong uh the cage is the pilot to the original star trek series that came out in the 60s that network's like hey you need to redo it and then we ultimately uh got the version with uh james t kirk as uh, william shatner and speaking of james t kirk there were some pictures that surfaced online of actor paul wesley in command gold on the set of season two yes season two even though season one isn't out yet of star trek strange new worlds and the internet was ablaze guessing who he could possibly be playing could it be captain robert april who was the captain of the enterprise before uh christopher pike could he be some other captain that we know from star trek lore well he is playing another captain of star trek lore but is one that we did not see coming paul wesley whom many people remember from playing Stefan uh, Salvatore on the Vampire Diaries, is playing Captain Kirk in season two of Strange New Worlds. This, this poses a lot of questions for what's going to happen in season one and ultimately season two. Because all of this takes place before the original Star Trek. And if you listen to my uh, podcast before, you know that I typically don't like prequels, which is one of the reasons why I stayed away from Discovery, why I've never got into uh, Enterprise. I'm not a fan of sequels, uh, excuse me, prequels, particularly because a lot of times they play fast and loose, and also you know how things are going to end. Uh, with the case of Strange New Worlds, there isn't a lot in canon about the time on the Enterprise between Pike and and kirk there isn't a lot there so i think for this this series excites me because there's so many questions i have answered or want to have answered because really you only saw pike twice in the original series in the cage and then in the subsequent uh episode the menagerie which was season two i think and by that time he was in a wheelchair he was scarred and we also saw um the uh, Calvin version of Pike in the J.J. Abrams movies so I'm excited to see what this prime universe Pike what happens to him also what happens to where Kirk is brought in in season two is Kirk there does Kirk take over the Enterprise in Strange New World season two does it become really like the precursor to the original series now I am excited I can't wait until Strange New Worlds uh, comes on debuts in May. I'm excited. I don't know about you Trek fans, but I'm excited for what's going to happen with Strange New Worlds. I haven't been this excited about Star Trek since they announced Picard, uh, personally speaking. And let's get into episode, excuse me, episode three of season two of Picard. Now, we'll warn you, if you have not watched the episode, I am giving away some spoilers. So if you don't want to get anything spoiled for you, fast forward a few minutes and come back later 
to listen to my take on it once you watch the episode. So the episode started out really well, especially with how things ended in episode two with the uh, people, the current people, the president's husband, everybody uh, boarding the ship, trying to stop them from leaving with the boy queen. And I was shocked and surprised when Elnor was fatally wounded. I was like, oh, okay y'all ain't playing games this season y'all y'all really saw the criticism from the story from last season and really are right, look we stepping up our game we we're not pulling any punches we're going to surprise people we're going to actually like write some real emotional arcs and i love that i loved how elnor's death uh really rattled um ravi it caused tension between her and picard uh picard is still a stoic but honestly picard comes off as kind of an asshole after uh the situation so focused on the mission so focused on trying to fix time and i get it and i and as a man i get having to be that stoic leader but he still was kind of assholey i one of my biggest issues with time travel and time travel storylines which is why I had some trepidation uh, coming into this season of Star Trek Picard is you all those have those butterfly effect tropes and which is totally or which are totally understandable, but you don't have to play into them so heavily. And one reason why this episode is late is because I stopped watching Picard maybe about 35 minutes into it because they started going down these same tropes and it made me mad. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I really uh, was not pleased with season one of Star Trek Picard because it followed all these same tropes, whereas this season started off pretty good and then okay you go into the time travel tropes they talk about beforehand you know stay off the grid don't interact with anybody stay away from hospitals yada 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 what happens transporter malfunction um chris gets literally dropped in the middle of the air falls on the ground concussion gets taken to a local clinic okay great cool he about to get out of it little kid has his communicator playing with it okay again all these tropes and then Set in 2024, Ice makes an unofficial raid to this clinic that helps undocumented. And of course, this man doesn't have ID or papers and he's of Latin descent. So, of course, they lock him up. And that's how the episode ends. I'm like, oh, come on now. Like, I understand this is very much about immigration and our time period and how things have gone in the United States in the past couple years. But come on now. Why do we have to continue to go down these same tropes when it comes to time travel to, in this case, inflict or inflect drama into a situation where you really didn't? Now, I'm pretty sure they have some payoff to the story, I hope. However, it wasn't needed. It really wasn't needed to move along the story based on the fact that you had this very good segment where I forget the blonde headed doctor's name is literally inside of the boy queen's mind and that drama there or her trying to get our information awaken a boy queen with the threat of being similar like that's like real unique drama and that's something we had not seen in star trek before and i love that i love the emotions that she went through while un unconscious in the boy queen's mind I love how they had her outsmart the boy queen to get the information on the watcher. That was really great writing. And then you had on the flip side, the lazy, typical time travel tropes that they had uh, Reyes in and to cause drama and all the other stuff down the line. So 
it was a mixed bag overall i enjoyed the episode i liked um seven and robbie's relationship i, I love their dynamic together on screen and yeah my only downside was that typical time travel trope uh that the butterfly effect that we saw so i am looking forward to episode four uh, i hope that uh this whole uh storyline immigration no papers thing with uh ramos gets uh rectified and tied up really really quickly and they find out the watcher who the watcher is what the watcher is for that matter uh going forward so yeah i enjoyed it for the most part um after i went took some time to sit back digest it and go back to it and finish out the episode i'm very much looking forward to episode four uh it's a it's a jam-packed week this week with episode four of picard and then episode one of halo's coming out so of course we're going to be talking about that on the next episode i've heard some things about it but i'm trying to keep a very open mind as the ardent um or adamant halo fan that i am so i'm really looking forward to what's going to happen in the halo show and also picard season two episode four one of my biggest gripes about how we dress nowadays is that especially men especially african-american men i feel like we're lazy i am not the most humongous fan of jordan peterson i know he has a lot of great things to say and a lot of things that are really on point from a sociological as um point of view uh, but I saw a comment or segment of him talking about the way men dress. And one of the things he talked about was how he really hadn't noticed this until a couple of years ago where he visited Washington, D.C. And it just happened looking around at all the families, all the men. And he noticed that the men really looked like overgrown versions of their children in the way that they dressed. And this is something that I have always uh, made a point uh, with Webster style and just personally speaking I feel like we as men not just African American men but men in general dress lazily and I'm not saying you need to be dressed in the nines every single day uh, but there was a time in our history especially um, with the African American history and culture of the United States that we always understood that we had to look our best to get any kind of respect, especially when none was present. Um, I love talking about the Negro Leagues and looking at pictures from that point in time. And when families went out, they were dressed in their church clothes. They were gentlemen's suit, ties, vests, kids dressed nice, wives in Sunday dresses like it was an event. It is how you project yourself into the world even at a baseball game and even looking back at classic fashion and classic men's style i feel like we as a society have lost so much of why that was important and as men in how you present yourselves and how you want the world to see you and i feel like so many of us don't think about that in our day-to-day and it's not to impress anyone but it is how you represent yourself to the world, how you want people to see you. And I, I think that is so lost on us as men, but particularly black men, because I can only talk about the, the experience in this country and in life as a, an African-American male. But one of the things I love about that old style is that, again, there was a class, there was a sophistication, there was a, a thoughtful acknowledgement of this is how i want to present myself to the world 
So I've always gravitated toward that period in American history when it comes to how black men presented themselves. And as an HBCU graduate, I was very excited about the news that Ralph Lauren uh, is partnering or at least debuting a special collection that is heavily inspired by uh, Morehouse and classic style from Morehouse and Spelman Colleges. Now, uh, if those of you who are not uh, familiar with what HBCU is, HBCUs are historically black colleges and universities. They're 100 plus dotted across the United States. Most, if not all of them, find their roots in a time in the United States when African-American black people could not go to predominantly white institutions of high learning. So schools are created by us for us. Um, a lot of times you had Methodist churches or churches in general that helped start these universities. But they started with the intense focus on training and educated black people when no other institution would. And there are many, but there are some that because of their legacy and their history kind of stand at the forefront of public consciousness. And two of those are Morehouse and Spelman. Both are located in Atlanta, Georgia, and Morehouse is a predominantly, excuse me, an all-male college and Spelman is a all-female college. And Morehouse produced many graduates that people know of today Martin Luther King Jr., Spike Lee uh, Samuel Jackson and just a few of the men who have graduated from Morehouse and Spelman I am, I'm sorry I don't remember any notable Spelman alumni off the top of my head but there are many uh, believe me but this collection is actually inspired and designed by Spelman and Morehouse graduates who work with uh, work at Ralph Lauren Polo. So this limited edition collection, a CAPS collection, is inspired by the heritage and traditions of historically black colleges and universities. Uh, the collection, which includes outerwear, knits, tailored suits, dresses, footwear, and accessories, also marks the brand's first of its kind with garments conceptualized and designed by Morehouse and Spelman alumni working at Ralph Lauren. And while I am not a graduate of Morehouse College, uh, one of the things that something like this does, one, it bring back, brings back a lot of that classic style. And you can uh, find a more detailed write-up on WebsterStyle.com where I talk about this and some of my thoughts on this, but also see pictures from the press releases as well as the video uh, that has, uh, that's on Ralph Lauren's website and youtube the full collection is going to be debuted on the 28th so at the time of this recording a week from today to see more of what it is but i love the classic style uh and the class that is designed and particularly the menswear from the sweaters to the suits to just the general outerwear it is just it is just beautiful and it, it harkens back to a time where i feel like men had a certain level of respect for themselves and it showed in their dress so i'm excited for this collection and to see what the full collection is, is like and also to see what sort of broader awareness uh, that this brings to historically black colleges and universities in general and that has been the sartorial slice our newest segment here on the show now it's time for the fragrance of the week now this week, we're looking at a fragrance and a company that I've been meaning to talk about for a long time. And this is uh, Grapefruit Vetiver is an EDP concentration by Kirk 
Elliott. It's another uh, black-owned brand that I found on Instagram. And you can pick up a 30 ml bottle of this fragrance for $80. So again, you're talking about that niche quality or niche quote-unquote uh, quality. But it is a very reasonable price for a 30 ml bottle. And you're going to find notes of vetiver, patchouli, jasmine, rose, tea, white tea, and grapefruit. It is described as an earthy, sexy fragrance that is bound to arouse the senses. Now, just based on that note breakdown, I, I love the combination of vetiver and patchouli. I really love that the jasmine I always love this spice, but it seems to have... You have that lightness of the tea and the white tea and the rose, kind of that floral, but then you really have it bookended by that uh, sharp, not sharp, but that citrusiness of the grapefruit. It really sounds like, just as I said, earthy, especially with the vetiver, uh, and uh, sexy, more importantly. I love that combination again, that sex and the jasmine and rose and patchouli. That's going to be a very olfactory opening experience to any lady uh, that smells you is definitely going to get you some compliments uh, if not further and again i'm not wearing fragrances for compliments but if somebody says it smell you smell good you know you check that one off in the box of hey i'm doing something right today so that's my take on the fragrance of the week uh, grapefruit vetiver edp by kirk elliott and what am i wearing today now today i am wearing royal must by uh, royal bermuda and you can purchase a 120 ml bottle yes that's a big boy for just 52 dollars and this one has very simple notes clove nutmeg fur and musk now this is one that i've talked about before i have a long history with has very sentimental um appeal to me but more importantly today here on the east coast is 71 degrees i wanted something that was masculine especially with that musk but also uh, light enough to where it's not completely overpowering and i love royal musk because it gives me that vacation vibe but it also gives me that masculine vibe as well oftentimes when i go for something light i don't get that manly vibe it's like kind of light and citrusy and not saying it's unisex but i don't get that Mm, I'm a man vibe and that's probably funny to say or hear but I love the muskiness of it because it's not like a must that'll just smack you in the face or smack somebody in the face that you find uh, with the combination of the clove and the nutmeg it really makes that musk very warming and inviting uh, for someone to get up close or just in general you have a nice uh, inviting scent bubble around you as well when you're wearing, wearing royal musk uh, by royal bermuda so i absolutely love it it's one of my favorites now speaking of fragrances i've talked before about our sponsor pete and pedro be sure to use the link in the show notes as well as your discount code ehawks10 for 10 percent off i believe it's still working if not let me know we can find some other codes for you uh, but they have some great uh, fragrances there in addition to the hair care products i'm not as familiar with the hair care products now i'll be honest but the fragrances are absolutely great and you're going to be paying 50 bucks for 50 ml bottles of really quality fragrances that aspire they're inspired by some of the top fragrances on the market i think they're absolutely high quality 
especially considering the price point and the fact that you can purchase full bottles and the travel size samples are great so even if you just want to try them out Feel free to try them out, test them out. If you like them, you like them, you don't, you don't. You're not going to break the bank either way. And be sure to use that uh, code or that link today, that referral link. Get a couple pennies off of your purchase. You know, be grateful for it. But that's my take on our sponsor, Pete and Pedro. And of course, this is the Sartorian Geek Podcast by Webster Style, where we talk about bow ties, comic books, and everything in between. I've been your host, Webster Style, the man, the voice, the fragrance. Feel free to find us on WebsterStyle.com. Uh, weekly episodes of the NRW Checkpoint, myself and Brian Saff, are going to be there, as well as if you missed this, an episode of the Sartorian Geek Podcast, are going to be there as well, as well as articles and other style and geek blurred related information find us on social media at webstyle on both instagram and twitter also at sotolian geek on instagram and of course questions comments criticisms want to collab feel free to drop me an email at info at webstylemagazine.com and remember stay safe out there and be blessed Strong, we can lift him to the sky. The party starts at 12. Yeah, we got a little time, time, hey, time hey, to get hey, it on. Get and on. I'm back on the type of pussy on. And after that, take a picture with the phone of the outfit. I'm me, I'm choosing what we on. Now it was Tree Green Tuesday. Had to be Bowtie Thursday. Had to be White Wednesday. Uh, I don't Well, I know last time. Well, I wore polka dot. You didn't wear... Oh, Miss Million, them heels killing them. But I'm sure it's a Thursday. Bowtie Thursday. Pasta cream in your heels looking sharp. They acting like you don't know the rules up in the workplace. Must I remind you it was till on your birthday. Don't get me wrong, I think we killed in the birthdays. And you picked the hell of fit for the church day. Let's say you picked the wrist game. Oh, it's killing. Now you got the floor filled with bras that you purchase. Pick a color scheme that can match a very corset. See what it seems. If it is what it seems.